Good morning, church. All right, it's great to be here this morning. I'm really, really excited. Um, there are a lot of new faces. I think you're also saying, who is this, who is this person? Um, I'm very excited to be with you this morning. Um, I'm sending you greetings from Pretoria East. It has been uh, 27 months since we planted Pretoria East God Church. Um, yes, we are really excited about what God is doing in the East. Uh, so if you happen to be that side, just pop in. We meet at um, Woodhill Park Shopping Center. Almost the same setup is here. It's at a shopping center on the first floor, and there's a spa as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it really has been great, and God has been faithful. And I'm very honored to be here this morning. Um, Pastor Paul and Pastor Trace are really, really precious to us. Um, we worked together for seven years before we moved on to Pretoria East, um, and uh, we miss this place, but we grow. Hey, when you grow, you get moving. You know, whatever grows, you know, it takes up space. It, uh, you know, different situations come your way. I want you to, to stand with me this morning and pray for the word. If you can just stand up on your feet. I want you to pray for yourself as we get into the word this morning. Pray for revelation knowledge. Pray for understanding. Pray for wisdom. Um, be expectant this morning. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the preaching of the word. We thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that the entrance of your word brings light. It brings understanding to those of a simple heart. Father, even as your children are standing right now in preparation for the word, Lord, I pray that you speak to them. We pray that you'd have your way this morning. We allow you, Spirit of the living God, to do what you have intended to do this morning. We give you praise and we give you honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say it. All right, let's take our seats. All right. Um, who knows that life is a summation of seasons that we go through? If you look at your life, it is a combination of seasons that you experience. It's a combination of decisions that you make. And um, in the same way that in the natural we experience seasons... We go through summer, we go through winter, we go through autumn. In your life, you go through seasons. You know, uh, now we are almost hitting winter, isn't it? You can feel the temperatures are getting lower and lower and lower. When you go to work, it's a bit darker. But do you know that no matter how strong your prayers are, you can never pray winter away, can you? I'm not sure, but for me, I don't think it's really possible for you sometimes to pray winter away. Winter will happen, and then you'll come out of winter, you'll get into spring, you get into summer. The issue is what do you do when winter comes your way? Now, I want you to take note of this. It's not a matter of an if. It is a matter of when a change of season will happen to you. It's not about if, when seasons will change. It's about when. The question is, when winter comes your way, are you prepared to face your winter? Hello, somebody? When summer comes your way, are you prepared to face your summer? You see, whenever we talk about seasons, 
The inclination of man is to talk about the bad seasons, isn't it? We talk about the winters, how horrible winter is. But do you know that if you're not ready for your summer, summer can destroy you? If you're not ready for a season of having so much money coming your way, that money will destroy you. You know, I read a statement somewhere and this person was saying, the loyalty of a woman is seen when her man has nothing. And the loyalty of a man is seen when he has everything he needs. I'm talking about, are you ready for your summer? When your summer comes, are you able to, to withstand the blessings of the Lord over your life? Sometimes the blessings of the Lord come and it's great. But if you cannot manage the goodness of the Lord in your life, that goodness can chase you away from God. How many times have people prayed for jobs? They get their jobs. But the moment you get your job, all of a sudden, you don't have time for your family. You spend more time at the office because, hey, I really have to be doing what I'm doing right now. You are crying for a job and the Lord blesses you with a job. But that job takes you away from church. Can church take you away from your job? Are you able to put in a leave form and say, there's a conference I need to attend. I will put in a leave form. Very few people would do that. But it is easy for us to say, well, I'm, I am needed at work. I can't come to church today. Just think about that for a moment. I'm talking about the seasons of life. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, it's, it's not on the slides. The, the preacher says to, every, to everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted. Do you know the season that you are in right now? Because if you don't understand your times and your seasons, you will not be able to survive them. The Bible talks about the tribe of Issachar. It was probably one of the smallest tribes when, when, when David was made king. And yet it was one of the most powerful tribes. Why? Because the tribe of Issachar understood what Israel had to do when. They understood the times and the seasons that the nations of the Israel people were going through. Now, God wants you to understand what you're going through right now. And to stand for a moment and say, what season am I going through right now? Write this down. The way you experience seasons of your life is determined by your response to the seasons. Your experience of summer, your experience of winter is largely driven by your response to that season. You see, when you go through winter, you've got to dress accordingly. Otherwise, you freeze. You've got to put on warmer clothes. That is why when you look at the shops, whenever we go towards a specific season, they change the outlook. They start selling certain types of clothes to prepare you for the season that you're about to enter. 
Now, when you're in winter, you've got to change, you've got to adopt, you've got to look at your wardrobe and say, this doesn't fit the season I'm in, I have to put on heavier clothes. When you go into summer, you say, this is too heavy for me, I need to put on a lighter wardrobe. My question this morning, when you are going through a moment of financial difficulties, what do you do? Do you keep the DSTV subscription? Or you have to cut out some of that? Hello, somebody? When you are in a season where your children are just growing up and there is homework that needs to be done, do you spend more time at work or you tell them, I've got kids at home, they are waiting for me? You reset your priority based on your season. If you just got married, you probably need to spend more time understanding your new spouse. Hello, somebody? Instead of spending more time with your mama and your papa, no. A change of season. Do you know what season you're going through right now? So, the way you experience seasons of life is determined by your response to the seasons. So, this morning, I want you to realize the response that you give to your life situation has a sound in the spirit. The way you re respond to whatever happens to you has a sound in the spirit. And the sound in the spirit will determine whether you become victorious or you become a victim of your circumstances. And this morning I want to talk to you on the subject matter, the sound of resolution. The sound of resolution. God wants you and I to respond in a specific way, to respond with great resolute, with great resolve to whatever happens to you. And I want you to realize that you can either react or you respond to your situations. And there's a major difference between reacting and responding. When you react, you're actually acting out from a place where you haven't applied your mind, you are just reacting. And usually when you react, you haven't thought through your action. You are reacting emotionally. You are reacting because something has been triggered inside of you. And whenever I react to situations, more often than not, I regret what comes out of that action. But the Lord wants you to be in a place where you respond. When you respond, you don't jump into conclusion. You think through, you question, why has this happened to me? And you come up with a well thought out response to a situation. You know, when you're in traffic, when somebody cuts in on you, you've got an option to react or not to. And to see it as it is, maybe they're just going through a stressful day. And I'm not going to be part of what they're going through. When your wife is talking back at you in a very sharp way, you can either react and you give her the same thing, or you can respond and say, could there be something else under the surface? Could she be going through just a moment of pressure? The way you respond to a situation will determine what you get back. And so many times, we simply react. Now, God wants you to respond to your situation with great resolve, with great resolute. 
Now that word resolution is a noun, and we know a noun is a describing word. It's a noun that, that comes from the word resolve. Now what does resolve mean? The word resolve means to decide firmly on a course of action and to have a firm determination to do something. When you're a person of great resolve, it means you, have, you make uh, deci decisions that are firm. You are determined. You don't back out. You don't quit. You can say to yourself, I'm not a quitter. You're a person of a great resolve. And from this definition, I can easily say, people of great resolve are people of great faith. People of great resolve are people of great faith. You cannot move in life with a great determination unless you are a person of faith. You see, when you look at the word faith, we define faith from Hebrews 11.1 1, that says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, you can say it and say it, but does it make sense to you? Does it make sense to me when I talk about faith? To put in a very simplistic way, faith is being very certain about the outcome of an affair. It is when you are so certain that I know the way this thing is going to end. The end is going to be good. Glory be to God. The end is going to be great. We will celebrate at the end of all of this, the name of the Lord will be glorified. It doesn't matter how it looks like right now. I'm just going through this moment, but the end will be great. Glory be to God. The Bible says, say to the righteous, all is well. Say to the righteous, it shall be well. So when you're a person of faith, you know the end before you get to the end. Now, if, if you're a person of faith, because you know that the end is going to be good. Why? God has told us, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. Thoughts of good and not of bad. To give you a hope and a future. Therefore, what I go through right now, it's simply preparing me for the end result that is good. Because it says, my thoughts for you are good. So I believe you and I are in a place of advantage. Because even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I know my end is going to be great. I'm not going to stop now. And the enemy is not going to stop me. And with that understanding, I become a person of great resolve. I become a person of determination. It doesn't matter if there's, there's fire in the bedroom and we are on each other's throat right now. I'm not going to pull the plug. Why? Because I know the marriage that I'm in right now was put together by God. If God puts you together, no man can put you asunder, even yourself. You see, whenever we say, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. We think of the third part. It includes you. That what the Lord has put together, I cannot put asunder. My wife cannot put it apart. Why? Because it was God ordained. So the moment we have that end in our mind and we have it so clear in our spirit, man, we get so determined. The Bible says a righteous man might fall seven times and yet he will rise up again. A righteous man might fall down so many times and yet he gets up. You see, it's not about how many times you have hit the deck. It's about how many times you have bounced back. How many times you have come back. 
And you say, I'm so resilient. You have hit me down but I'm not staying here. This is not where I belong. I'm going to stand again. Glory be to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. People of great resolve are people of great faith. I'm reminded of this song by Donnie McClurkin when he says, I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday. I've got my mind made up and I'm not turning back. Why? There is a crown that waits for me. I want to see my Jesus one day. I want to hear him saying, well done, good and faithful servant that day when I walk into heaven. You've got to make up your mind and say, I won't give up on this business. I've lost so much money right now, but I'm not giving up. Why? Because the word was released concerning this entity. And I've got my mind made up. Because someday I want to be a kingdom financier. Hello, somebody. That will change the way you look at your situation. I've got my mind made up. I, wanna, I won't turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday. Goodbye, world. I stay no longer with you. Goodbye, pleasures of sin. I stay no longer with you. I've made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. I've made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. Can this be your song this morning? That I've got my mind made up. Goodbye, the pleasures of sin. Because the pleasures of sin are always lingering around us. When you got born again, you did not depart from your body. The flesh is still with you. Glory be to God. But you see, the Bible says, though we are in the world, but we are not of the world. You've got to tell your body, you've got to tell your flesh, goodbye the pleasures of sin. Because there's an upward calling over my life. There's a better tomorrow and I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. I'm talking about the sound of resolution. Are you resolved in your mind that I'm not going to give up? Now, there is a story in the Bible that brings this to life. I believe the Lord brought me here to encourage somebody to stir up some faith, to stir up some resolution. For somebody to go back to the journal that you left and there's dust gathering on it, you wrote stuff, you felt God spoke to you, didn't you? When you wrote certain stuff down, you felt God speaking to you, but because life happened, you chucked that journal away. But today when you go back home, God look for it. And may the Lord stir up something inside of you and say, I'm going to go for it. Now there's a story in the Bible that brings this to life. There was a time when the Syrian king, the Aramean king by the name of Ben-Hadad, decided to besiege the city of Samaria. Now we're in 2 Kings chapter 6. Now before I read the scripture, I'm going to give you a bit of a background for you to, to just get into this story. There was a season of peace between the Aramean people and the Jewish people. And then the Bible says, all of a sudden, King Ben-Hadad decided to besiege the city of Samaria. He decided to surround the city of Samaria. He closed it up. You see, there wasn't any trigger to him doing this. He just decided that I'm just going to go and take this city on. 
Do you know that sometimes the battles that we go through has nothing to do with what you have done? You are simply a victim of cosmic battles that are going on around you. It's not because you did something wrong. It's not because you haven't been to church. It is because there's a devil on the loose. And because of that, you get implicated in the process. It reminds me of Job. Job was living a very great life. He was prosperous. Everything was happening for him. He had his beautiful wife and kids and so much wealth. And all of a sudden, he lost everything. You see, the reason why the story of Job makes sense to us, it is because we have 2020 vision, hindsight, we read the story, we now say, oh, well, we know the end of the story. But when Job was going through his moment of loss, it did not make sense. I'm sure he was looking at himself and said, Lord, I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been sacrificing, I've been paying the price for you, but now... And some of you are in that space right now where you feel you're, you're really being a great child of God. You've been fasting, you've been praying, but things are not really going well for you. And you might not have an answer to it. Do you know that there are certain questions that you will not get an answer on this side of life? You'll get the answers on that other side of life. And you might as well make peace with not getting certain answers. And just say, as long as God is on the throne, all is fine. I might not understand what I'm going through. Stop trying to understand what you're going through sometimes. You can ask the questions, where was God when my mom died? You might never get an answer to that. But should that stop you from moving and believing God? So King Ben-Hadid decided to besiege the, the, the city of Samaria. You see, when he did this, he said, I'm not going to storm this city. I'm not going to attack the city. I'm just going to shut it out. I'm just going to close it out. Now, when you go to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 25, we catch the story where we are being told the severity of this besiegement, the severity of what the king had done. And now the Bible says in verse 25, and there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. And one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Now, when you look at what this king did, he said, I'm not going to impose myself. I'm not going to cause chaos in this city. By attacking it, I'll close out the city. I'll get my, my, my army to surround the city. And when he surrounded the city, it meant that there was no water that could go into the city. No food could go into the city. People who were outside the city remained outside the city. People who were inside the city remained inside the city. It looks like a picture of somebody's life where you feel like your life has been surrounded by the enemy because now you cannot move in and out and do what you used to do. You have lost the zeal to pursue your dreams. What the enemy has done, he has surrounded you and constricted you and he has stuffed life out of you. And the Bible says it was so long that hunger and famine was in the city. 
We are not told how long it was. Sometimes our seasons would appear so long. You look around, you say, it has been six months, Lord. I've been asking for a job. I've been trusting you for a job. Lord, it has been 16 years I've been asking and believing you for marriage. Lord, it has been two days and I've been trusting you for a change of attitude in my house. Because two days in a cold house can be a very long, long time. Hello, somebody. You know what I'm talking about, hey. Now, the Bible says there was now famine in the city because the king of Aramian had just surrounded the city. And when he was doing this, he knew that there would be chaos inside. They would start fighting themselves inside. When you continue reading the story, you hear that even mothers began to kill their babies and eating them. Can you imagine the state of affairs in that city? It was all happening inside. You see, the people who were outside the city did not have an understanding of what was exactly going on in the city. Do you know that some of us, we suffer silent battles? Where we suffer alone. People will look at you from the outside because, hey, we're good at putting up impressions, hey. We dress up. We look after ourselves. We probably go buy the newest vehicle. But there is stuff happening inside right now that people are not privy to. And for us to see what was going on, we hear divorce papers have been served. What has been happening? It looked like everything was fine. A lot of people are suffering silently by themselves. But this morning I'm saying to you, whether your battle is is in the seclusion of your home, in the seclusion of your office. You've got to rise up with great resolve and say, I'm not going to die. Say like David says, I shall not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. I don't know what battles you're facing right now. It's easy when the battle is happening out in the public eye. But when the battle is happening behind the walls, it can be another story. But whatever your battle is, you got to say, I got my mind made up and I'm not going to turn back. Now, at some point, king, the king of the Samarian city realized things are bad here. I've got to do something. I'm so glad that the king decided to do something about the situation. Do you know that there are times in our lives that we give up on life? And when you give up on life, we can see there's no more drive. And it, it is important for you to call it what it is. You could be very discouraged right now. Because you would have been trying and trying and trying and trying. And in the absence of somebody encouraging you, in the absence of speaking to your inner man and say, why are you downcast my soul? Put your hope in God. You'll never see yourself coming out of that. And then the king of Samaria said, no, this cannot be. Something has to change. Do you know that for your external environment to change, your internal environment has to change? The way you think about yourself, the way you feel about yourself, the way you perceive yourself has to change before your external environment changes. And the king of Samaria said, 
something has to be done. And he had some, some suspicion in his mind. He thought this prophet Elisha might have something to do with this. It is easy for us to blame people for what is going on in our lives. As long as we blame other people, you are disempowered to deal with your situation. You need to look at yourself and say, I am responsible for this situation and I have to do something about it. We blame our parents for the way our lives are working out sometimes, don't we? Well, the way I was raised, I never saw my daddy loving on my mom, so I don't know how to love on my wife. Come on, dude, learn how to love your wife. Hello, somebody. Well, my mom was not really a good homemaker, and because of that, I don't know how to make my home home. got to think about that. We cannot continue blaming the next door neighbors for the state of our loans in our house. We cannot continue blaming the people next door for what is happening in our house. No. We have to take full responsibility because that is where victory begins. For you to acknowledge that I am responsible and Lord I need you to come through for me. Hello somebody. Glory be to God. Thanks for those half-hearted claps. <laughs> All right. So the king of, uh, of Samaria called Elisha, hoping to, to deal with him. He says, I need to talk to this man because he is responsible for this situation. Now, when Elisha was called, man, he came with a different spirit. Elisha came with a different or contrary spirit. Now, listen to what Elisha said in 2 Kings 7 verse 1. When Elisha, then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, when Elisha was called up, he brought a solution to the situation. But his solution was not the solution they were expecting. Maybe they were expecting Elisha to say, King of Samaria, gather your army together and we have to come out and face the Aramean king. But Elisha came with a different solution. He says, hear the word of the Lord that says the Lord, tomorrow the situation will be different. And this morning, I want you to know, in the absence of the word in your life, your situation remains as it is. How much of the word do you carry in your heart right now? Take note of this. Without the involvement of the word, no battle can be won. The presence of the word makes victory a possibility. And I put that on purpose, that the presence of the word makes victory a possibility. The reason why I'm saying makes victory a possibility, there are many people who have heard the word, but the word hasn't changed them. The word hasn't changed their situation. I don't know if you've been there. Where the word is declared, but the word hasn't changed your situation. Elisha simply released the word and he says, hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow there will be no more famine in this city. Tomorrow things will be different. 
And right now the Lord is telling somebody that tomorrow there will be joy in your heart. And you say, really? I feel so heavy in my spirit, man, right now. You really think there will be joy in my heart tomorrow? How possible would that be? Are you telling me tomorrow I'll be able to get money for rent for the end of May? I'm in overdraft right now. Are you saying tomorrow I'll be able to have enough money to pay for my children's school fees? Really? Elisha released the word. You see, he could have asked the king to fight. But Elisha understood that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Our weapons are not of this world, but they are mighty to the bringing down of strongholds. Maybe you've been fighting a different type of war. You need to change where you've been fighting your battles. You see, your boss is not your enemy. Your neighbor is not your enemy. Yes, your mother-in-law is not your enemy. Hallelujah, somebody. Your mother-in-law is not your enemy. We have one enemy called devil, diabolos, the father of lies. You need to understand that that is where everything comes from. And you've got to deal with your issue at the root. You've been dealing with the fruits. You've been dealing with the branches. You've got to go to the root cause of your problem. And Elisha said, you need the word. And here is the word. You've got to change how you view your world. Your spiritual world is more real than the natural world. Because the natural world is simply a manifestation of what is happening in the spirit. That is why you and I need to change tact. We've got to fight our battles differently. How do you fight your battles? Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow things will be different. For though we are in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Yes, the word was released, but the effect and the impact of the word was determined by the people who heard the word. Right now, I'm preaching you a word of encouragement. But you can say, well, my situation has been like this for so many years. What difference will this make in my life? Oh, well, I'm sorry, there will be no difference. Yes. You've got to change your, your reaction and your response to the word. Listen to this in verse 2. There was an officer who had what Elisha said. And this officer said, So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, <clears throat> I believe he's, he did something like that just to say, Listen to me, I know what I'm talking about. Okay? He was saying to Elisha, Elisha, you're just a prophet who sits in the corner there, but I sit right next to the king. And I'm going to respond on behalf of the king. So many times we are quick to give an answer before even contemplating what is in front of us. And this guy, big-headed guy, he said to him, to the Elisha, <clears throat> Look, even if the Lord would make windows in heaven, do you know the Lord? Well, he thought he knew the Lord. He says, even if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Even if the Lord would come down today, can my life change? Even if the Lord would open the windows of heaven, can I get a job tomorrow? 
You see, sometimes we don't vocalize these things, but we say them in our heart. What have you been saying in your heart? Pertaining your situation. You see, as Christians in Basalwani, we, we have mastered the, the, the way to speak in front of people. Somebody will say to you, how are you doing, brother? Says, well, God is on the throne. All is great. Man, I did not ask who is on the throne. I said, how are you doing? Christianese, we become so weird to a point where we can't have a proper conversation. I really want to get to know how you're doing, but you tell me God is on the throne. If I really wanted to know where God is, I would have said, come and tell me where is God right now? I'm saying, how are you doing? How are you doing in your marriage? How are the finances? We like to have an appearance of everything be fine. And this guy says to him, even if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, this is now Elisha, because of your attitude, because of your pretension, uh, uh, because of your attitude, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. You shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not be a partaker of it. You shall see somebody's life changing and you'll not be part of the change. Hello, somebody? It's up to me what I'm going to do after this. That is why some people are not happy to see other people being happy. Because nothing is changing in their lives. You see, do what they're doing and you probably get the same results. Glory be to God. It says, Elisha says, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to try and convince you. But you will see it, but you'll not be part of it. When God releases a word in the church and says, this is what I'm about to do. You can look at it and say, mm -mm, this is not going to happen. But God will do it and you won't benefit from it. Your response to the word will determine whether victory will become a possibility in your life. Now, this guy, despite being so close to where the word was being released, the officer failed to be a beneficiary of the word. And because of that, he was disqualified to be a partaker of the miracle. You see, sometimes we pray and we utter the word in our prayers. But the moment we stand up from a time of prayer, we cancel out our prayers by what we confess. There's got, to be, there's got to be an alignment between what we pray, what we believe, and what we confess. You can, you, can, you can confess what you want and you'll be able to get it. The Bible says, say unto this mountain, you've got to speak to your mountain. And the Lord of us don't speak to our mountains. But this guy said, even if God opens the windows of heaven, can this thing be? Now I want you to realize something that... It's not an issue of whether the word of God is powerful or not. No, that's not the issue. The issue here is whether you are able to contain the power of the word. I want to repeat that. The question is not whether the word is powerful to have an effect or not. The issue is, am I able to contain what the word wants to do? Am I able to contain the power of the word in my life? Am I able to move aside and say, if you say it, let it be so. Glory be to God. 
So many people hear the word with one ear and then it goes out the other ear. Those of you who've been around the block, do you still believe certain scriptures? Or you think, man, I've heard that scripture so many times. So, so many times I've heard Ephesians 3 verse 20 that says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which we can think or even imagine, to him be all the glory. To him who is able to. And then you say, man, I've been around 15 years. I haven't seen him doing nothing. And you say, I'm not going to believe it. And somebody walks to the front today. They receive Jesus. They read the scripture and they believe. Glory be to God, and they get results. We become very professional in our walk with God because of the number of years we've been around, and we think Jesus is our small brother. Yeah, because your small brother, you don't pay attention to what he says, do you? No, you don't. Big sisters don't listen to their younger brothers, like he's just an annoying. Is that how we're treating Jesus right now? When Jesus said, just be like a child and you'll experience the glory of God. And you say, I've been around the block, man. This issue of praying in a new tongue doesn't work. Oh, well, sorry. If it doesn't work for you, it works for me. Hallelujah. You see, when you look at our response to the word, it determines what the word can do for us. We know Jesus was all-powerful. Jesus went about doing so, so many miracles. But I read a small portion of scriptures in Mark 6, where the Bible says at some point, Jesus went back to his hometown. He went back to his hometown, and he started declaring the word. And then the people in Nazareth questioned Jesus. And they said, isn't this the son of the carpenter? Isn't this... The Jesus that we saw running around without pants around. Isn't this the Jesus who has this sister and this brother? Isn't this Jesus? And then they said, no, it can't be. And the Bible says because of their unbelief, Jesus was unable to do miracles in that city. Was it because Jesus has lost his power? No, Jesus was all powerful, but the recipient was not ready to receive Jesus. Are we ready this morning to go back to the basics? To go back to the basics of having time, your quiet times with God? You know, I hear people say, you know what? I, I, I have my quiet time when I'm in the shower. Just wake up and uh, do my shower thing. How much time do you spend in a shower? Don't think too much about the shower, but I'm just saying, how much time do you spend in the shower? Probably three minutes, four minutes, and you're done. I'm saying go back to that place where you're so hungry to be in the presence of the Lord. Go back to that place where a week would not go by without you fasting. Because you know that the moment I fast, I subject my body and I allow my spirit to connect with God at a better dimension. Go back to that place where you say, I want to read my Bible plan right now. I've got a plan for my Bible reading and I'm going to follow it. When last did you open your Bible? No, no, don't, don't answer. Don't put up your hand. But when last did you read your Bible? That's the question that I have for you. Okay, let's take it higher. When last did you memorize the scripture by heart? Maybe, maybe some of us, we still have those scriptures that were taught in kindergarten. 
That's all we're living off right now. But hey, the Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. You need daily bread from God. You need to hear the Lord speaking to you and to encourage you. So, the Bible talks about how the children of Israel received the word, but the word was of no benefit to them because the word was not mixed with faith. You can hear the word, but if the word is not mixed with faith, it will not work for you. I was teaching our guys yesterday in our rebuild course, and I was saying to them, you need to realize the difference between logos, which is the written word, and the rama, the spoken word. The written word, you find it in the Bible, we have it. We have them in our cell phones, but it is written, it is there. It doesn't do much to you until it becomes the spoken word. Until you get a revelation that is meant for you for the season, and then faith is built on that. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, many Christians are big-headed and small-hearted. We know scriptures by head, but we don't have the scriptures in our hearts. David says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Somebody says, do not underestimate the distance between your head and your heart. After reading the word, what do you do? You've got to go to the next step where you utter and mutter the word until the word speaks back to you. Until you say, I have heard the Lord speaking to me. You might not, might not have heard an audible voice, but the word you read is speaking back to you from revelation knowledge. And that is what will build your faith. In Joshua 1, God says, This word of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it day and night and be sure to do it. In so doing, you prosper in whatsoever you do. So when you read the word, when you hear the word, don't just leave it there. Take up what you feel. This is what God wants me to concentrate on. Meditate on it. Utter and mutter. Ask yourself, Lord, what are you saying to me about this? What do you want me to learn? And then you get revelation for your moment. Does somebody hear me this morning? I'm talking about getting the word in you. Now, he said, hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow something will happen. Something will happen. Now, yes, the word was released, but this man wasn't going to benefit from it. This man wasn't going to benefit from it. You see, when you look at this guy, because he was the official of the king, he was never used to fight for things to make them work. You know, everything for him came on a silver, silver platter. It was easy for him to get food because he was working with the king. And when he was told about what God was about to do, he did not find a need to even fight and to believe what God was saying because so many people, so many people are not used to fighting for what belongs to them. I want you to know you have an inheritance, but that inheritance is being attacked by the enemy. You've got to look at your life and say, no more, this is mine. Satan, get your hands off what God has given me. When last have you fought for your family? We've got to fight for what God has given us. Now, there is a response that God wants us to make. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3. Now, the Bible says, Now there were four lepers, four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. 
And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, if, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Now in verse 3 onwards, we have a totally different response to the same problem. The same situation. There the word was released, but these lepers had not had the word, but they had the right attitude. Glory be to God. They had the right attitude and they said, look here, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die. If we go to the camp of the Syrians, we might die. But hey, I want to die trying out something. That's the attitude that we need as people of God. We're going to say to ourselves, I will die trying out something. Because you never know what if it works. What if God will come through for me? What if God will open the door? When last did you throw your CV out there? You're saying, well, I'm tired of throwing my CV out there. What if if you throw your CV out today, I get a hold of it and I call you? What if the Lord is about to do a miracle in your life and you give up right now? But these lepers, you see, these lepers had grown into a life of desperation. They were discarded. They were looked down upon. Nobody looked at them with any respect. And they cared nothing. I want you to know this morning, you got to have a carefree spirit. Where you saying, I really don't care what people say. I'm going to seek God for myself. I'm going to fast for myself. I'm going to seek God and wait upon his word until he comes through for me. These lepers brought salvation to the city. Listen to this. They were ready to perish for hunger and they took the battle to the enemy camp. They were ready to die for hunger and they took the battle to the enemy camp. And this morning, what God has laid on my heart is to tell you, it is time for you to take the battle to the enemy camp. You've been playing defensive for a long time. You've been playing defending for a long time. Do you know that the church was never meant to be a defending institution? A church is supposed to be an offensive institution. Why? Because we push forward. We go where God has called us to go. We take what belongs to us. <laughs> Glory be to God. The church is not meant to be a defensive place. When the Bible says in Matthew 16, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. You know what that means? It means that you push against the gates of hell and the gates of hell will not fight, will not overcome you. The gates don't move. Have you ever seen a gate moving down N1? No, gates are stuck somewhere. But the church pushes through the gates of the enemy and we grab what is ours and we tell the enemy no more. Some of you have been experiencing sicknesses, chronic sicknesses. You have seen your child battling in a certain area and you have given up. But this morning the Lord is saying, take the battle to the enemy camp and say, let go of my child, not this one. Glory be to God. You know your workplace is very spiritual. There are demonic activities taking place there. And you've just been saying, what can I do? What can I do? No more, no more. You have to go to a place and walk into your work, workplace and lay hands on those desks and declare that this place belongs to Jesus. I do that sometimes at my workplace. At my workplace, I have people who are 
Buddhists. I have people who are in Jehovah's Witness and everything else. And I'm believing God for their salvation. And that makes the place very spiritual. So I get to work early in the morning. And I go into those offices and lay my hands on the desks. And I declare the word of the Lord. I declare the light of Jesus to shine over their hearts. Why? Because it is a spiritual place. The Bible says, wherever the sole of your feet has trodden, I will give it to you as inheritance. It is yours. <laughs> Glory be to God. Those of you who are in business, God has called you into that domain. It is yours. You can lose what is yours because you don't understand that it is yours. But the moment you have a revelation that this is my inheritance, you fight for it. We've got to redeem our workplaces and our businesses for Jesus. Now, so they were ready to perish for hunger and they took the battle to the enemy. And you and I need to take the battle to the enemy. Now listen to me. You need to come to a place where the pain of not changing becomes more severe than the pain of changing. Where you look at your situation and say, I'm not going to remain like this. The pain of remaining in this place is, is, is just not bearable. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to step out in faith. You see, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. But who takes the step? It's not God. It's you. When you take the step of faith, God is attracted. When you have a, a resolution in your heart, God is attracted. Now, let's see what happened when these three men, I don't know how many were there. Four, yeah, four lepers, when they decided to go out in verse 5, and they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. Twilight towards dark, towards the night. They did not want to be seen. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Nobody home. And they're like, what were we afraid of? Nobody home. Why? For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they say to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it. Well, so they planted the, the camp. They just say, oh yeah, into Desbonella. We are here today, right? Those in the city, wow, forget about them. And then at some point they realize, hey, this is evil, you know? The victory that we have is not just for us. Victory belongs to Jesus. Glory be to God. And they say, let us go to the city and bring a good report. But the Bible says, and the Lord made the Syrian army to hear something else that was different. It was just four lepers who had great resolve, who had faith, and they stepped out. They believed that something will happen as we do this. And the Lord and the heavenly host were attracted to that great resolution. And, the, and God says, we can't ignore that. The word was released, and here's an instrument I can use to fulfill my word. 
You see, Isaiah 55 says, the word of God will not return to him void. It will prosper in whatsoever he has sent it to do. Glory be to God. The official was disqualified, but the lepers were qualified. Hallelujah. You see, when God saw the attitude and the faith of these neglected men, you might be neglected in the natural, but when you step out in faith, heaven cannot ignore you. Hallelujah. And God said, how can I ignore this? The sound I'm hearing from here is different from the sound I heard in the city. The sound in the city was the sound of defeat. But the sound outside the city was the sound of resolve, a sound of faith, where they say, if we die, we die. And God says, you're not going to die. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to step out and say, if I die, I die. It is an attitude that attracts heaven. It is an attitude that changes your atmosphere. When I look at the Bible, there are stories of people that change the course of history because they say, if I die, I die. I'm going to believe God for his promises. The sound of resolution is heard when you choose to cooperate with what God wants to do. When you cooperate with the word of God, it changes everything. As I come to the end of this message, I want you to know that God responds to the attitude of resolute, the attitude of faith. Number one, David ran towards Goliath. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I will take him down. The same God who delivered me from the mouth of the bear and the paw of the lion, he will deliver me from the hands of this uncircumcised Philistine. And God took over the situation. He just wanted a David who was ready to step out of his comfort zone. An entire army was standing. But David says, it can't be. God, you can use me. Lord, if you can use anybody, you can use me as well. I'm reminded of Esther. When Esther was there with king, with the king, he says, she says, if I perish, I perish. I will go and face the king. And by that attitude, God saved the nation of the Jews. Glory be to God. What is your attitude today? Joshua said, as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. As for you and your household, we will serve the Lord. In the middle of people who worship ancestors. Hey. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The Lord is just waiting for that one person who says, if I die, I die. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. Daniel said, I will not defile myself. Was it easy? No, it wasn't. Whenever you go against the grain, it's not going to be easy. But he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's your story this morning? I want us to stand up on our feet. What's your story this morning? What sound are you releasing in the spirit? Is it the sound of being timid or it's a sound of resolve? It's a sound of if God said it, it settles it. If God said it, it settles it. That is it. I'm not going to change. I've got my mind made up and I'm not going backwards. Why? Because the one who promised is faithful. The one who started a good work in you is faithful. He is able. He is not a, he, he, the Bible says he is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he a son that he should repent. Has he promised it? Will he not do it? Today, somebody needs to rise up in their faith. I want you to pray to your father. 
and make a commitment and say, Lord, I know what you want me to do. And today I make up my mind to take you on your word. Come on, let's speak to the Lord. Let's pray. Open up your mouth and declare. I am just sensing a spirit of faith rising up in this church right now. There's a spirit of faith that's rising up today. You came defeated. You came feeling not, not able to move forward. But right now, faith has a reason. You're able to face your battles. Like these four lepers who say, if we die, we die. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray this morning that you move by your power in this place. We pray for your grace. We pray, Father God, that faith would arise today. Father, we thank you that it's not by power, it's not by might, but it is by your Spirit. Hmm. Whatever battle you are facing, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. But He wants you to stand on the battle line. He wants you to stand in the battlefield and then He will fight for you. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.